Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about this, uh, this, this, this man named Paul and Silas. Uh, it's, uh, and uh, you, you've probably heard uh, Paul before. You've probably heard of Paul. He wrote m- almost half of your New Testament. Uh, Silas, you may not know, but it's just Paul's buddy. And uh, they're going around, and they're, uh, they're, they're planting churches. That's what they're doing. They're just, they, they, Paul had a radical transformation in Acts chapter 9. You can read about it. It's so crazy. And uh, ever since that moment, he has been just faithfully following Jesus wherever it led him. And uh, he, he's met a lot of cool people along the way, and Silas is one of them. And they're just planting churches. And uh, you've probably heard of the book Philippians, Philippians in the New Testament, uh, what we're reading in Acts chapter 16 is actually Paul planting the church of Philippi. <clears throat> and so uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool event. And uh, what happens, though, is that Paul, Paul seems to get himself in trouble quite a bit. <laughs> if, you've, if you uh, have even glanced over the Bible in, in your New Testament, you, you're probably aware of this fact. And uh, so we're looking at, a, at a, an event today specifically where Paul uh, gets imprisoned. And uh, it's, it's, uh, he, he gets himself in a, in a big giant mess. And um, we're just going to see what, what God does. I, I love this story. This is one of my favorites. And I feel like I say that every time. But it's true. Um, for real. It is. I, I promise. Uh, I love, I love this, this passage of scripture. So uh, let's, let's dive into Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And we'll go all the way to, uh, we'll go all the, way to the end of the chapter. Okay? And uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen behind me, or you can get your phones, or just trust that I'm telling you the truth. All right? Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So she, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, you ever been there, got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly he left, it left her. Now let me just pause right there, because that was a, you could preach a whole series just on that. That was incredible, right? So first off, let me just, let me just say, we may not have the, the full context, you may not understand, you're like, wow, Paul, that seems a little, seems a little rude, don't you think? Uh, but the, 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 the way that the text implies this is that this, this slave girl was just following them around, uh, you know, saying, hey, these are the servants of the Most High God. They're going to tell you how to be saved. Hey, these are the Most High God. And it was just like Paul was, was trying to do ministry here, telling people about Jesus. And she was so distracting that people were like, I don't want whatever's going on with that crazy group of people. <laughs> okay, so, so, so Paul gets so frustrated with her. He's just like, come on, get out. And he, and he releases the demon within her. And we have that power too through the Holy Spirit, but that's another time. Um, so just to give you some context there, he's not being rude, but he just gets, he gets frustrated sometimes, and, and you can read that in his letters too. But uh, he, he commands uh, the demon to come out in the name of Jesus and instantly left her. Verse 19, her master's hope of wealth were now shattered because they were using this girl. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in, at the marketplace. The whole city is in, uh, is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And both of those statements are lies, but just by the way. 
So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the, and, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into the prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This is where things get really cool. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted to him, hey, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And just to stop again from there, because that seems a little confusing, back in these days, these jailers would be in charge with, uh, with, with, um, with, with the, 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 the prisoners. So if, if one of them escaped, they would get severely punished, right? Imagine the whole prison to escape. He was not going to be taken, he was not going to be uh, tortured very lightly, to say the least. So he's, he considered, man, if I just ended myself, it'll be better than me getting tortured like this. But Paul, thank God, Paul says, no, 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 stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. In 29, uh, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all those who lived in his household. And even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And, they, and he brought them into his house and set a meal before him. And, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials went to the police to, uh, sent, I'm sorry, sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have, have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. And Paul's a little bit of a savage here. He says, uh, Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens, so now they want us just to leave secretly? Uh, certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. Don't you wish you had that kind of authority sometimes? When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens because they're treated differently. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. And when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. What, what a crazy night, right? Um, this, this whole story that we read was in a 24-hour period. This is nuts, right? So, so you know, Paul and Silas, they're, they're, they're singing and, and worshiping and, and praying, and all of a sudden, everything is shaken, and they get freed, and they go to the jailer's house. They have, you know, the jailer takes care of their wounds. They have a nice meal. They all get baptized, and then they come back to the prison, and, then, and they're, they're let go. All in one night. I'm sure that they could have used a, a nice... Uh, a nice rest. But, but I want to I dissect this passage of Scripture today, and, and I really want to talk from the subject uh, that our God is the God who shakes foundations. Our God is the God who sets the captives free, and he doesn't leave us stuck in where we are. Our God is the God of breaking free. So if, that, if, if, if you're taking notes today, that's what our, that's what our, um, our, our message title is going to be. It's going to be Break Free. Go ahead and help me introduce that with your neighbor. Elbow them, wake them up real quick, make sure they're paying attention. Say, hey, neighbor, it's time to break free. Hey, neighbor, it's, it's time to break free. Go ahead. It's, it's time to break free. Come on, turn to the other neighbor, the one you so kindly ignored, and say, neighbor, other neighbor, second choice, hello, it's time to break free.
It is time to break free. Let's declare it in the place today. Hey, I'm going to pray over us, and we'll dive right in. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible moment of worship. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your incredible acts of your Holy Spirit that is still, that, that is still moving today. Uh, God, we're, we're so grateful that we uh, get to carry this promise of eternal life within us, and we get to carry this promise of authority that you give us through your Holy Spirit. So God, I just pray you would speak to us and not let us stay the same uh, and let us leave completely and radically and utterly changed in this place and just come to know you even just a little bit more. God, we're so grateful for everything you do, and I just pray you bless this time that we spend together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question today, uh, and it's very, very obvious, and I'm sure we all have. Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been stuck? Um, And and different ways. I mean, we're stuck in all sorts of different ways. Um, Probably the most prevalent that we we tend to think of when we're stuck is, have you ever been stuck in the mud? Um, It is like the most embarrassing thing ever, right? (laughs) Because you literally are just standing there and there's mud flying everywhere and it's all over you. And I mean, you're stuck, right? So you're going to try everything you can to get out. So you get out of the the vehicle and you're trying to push it and and move all sorts. And you're just covered in mud and the car is covered in mud and you still get to go nowhere. It's, 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 uh, It's frustrating. Um, I, I get stuck in traffic all the time, and it's so, so irritating. If you know anything about me, you know that I believe 100% traffic is of the devil. So this is a, a, a test for my faith sometimes, and we have evening meetings here from time to time, and uh, a lot of the times during the week, I'll head up, up, up 81 North, and you, anytime after 8 o'clock on 81 North, you know, you know it is awful. You can't get anywhere. It is ridiculous. I do not like being stuck on the interstate um, another time we were stuck was when uh, we had our baby, when we had our, our son Judah. And, uh, you know, we, you, you all know the story. We had to go down to, to Charlottesville, UVA. By the way, his doctor's here uh, today, which is very, very, very cool. Um, but we had to go down to UVA, and, and you know, we're, we're driving, and, and um, we, once, we, you know, once we get down there, like, it's, it's a big, giant mess. And uh, finally, one night, like, probably a week and a half, two weeks after he was born, we're like, look, we're stressed out. We need to go and just get a nice meal just to relax a little bit. And wouldn't you know, the fuel pump on the car decided to, to wait until just that moment when we were trying to relax to just die. And uh, Stephanie was driving too, which was very terrifying. I mean, she's a great driver and all. But when, when, there's, a, when there's an incident or there's a, there's a, there's a hazard, she kind of flips out. And that's okay. Um, but uh, she, she was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, just pull over. I don't know. And um, so we, I've, I, I worked on cars for six years. I've never called a tow truck in my life. And I had to call a tow truck and talk to the guy. And like, you know, I'm a, I'm a man, so I'm prideful, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I used to work on cars. It's not around home, you know. And talking to the guy, he doesn't care, you know. <laughs> so I'm just like letting him know that it's, I'm stuck, but it's not my fault, you know. And uh, it was just ridiculous. And so, you know, finally we got the, we got the fuel pump fixed and, you know, um, over $1,000 later, I was like, oh, come on, as if our son isn't expensive enough. And, and then, wouldn't you know, the very next day, I promise you, the very next day, the radiator pops and blows, and, and cooling goes everywhere, and we're stuck again. We had to walk back and forth to the hospital. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I hate being stuck. Do you hate being stuck? Do you hate being stuck? This is the worst. Um, and I think the worst part about that whole ordeal is my wife's family is a Ford family, and we drive Chevys. So already, yeah, yeah, already there, it was just like, well, if you had a, yeah, it's like they don't break down too. 
Um, <laughs> do you remember being, uh, just, I don't know if you remember this, um, I know it was so long ago, uh, 2020, and you, 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 you remember the, the global pandemic? Does anyone, okay. <laughs> you remember being stuck at your house? You know, everyone that year was like, man, I wish I could work from home. And, and it's like, well, here we go. Everyone just stays home all the time. Um, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> I love my wife. But man, our marriage was, was tested. And, and I wasn't stuck with her. She was stuck with me more than likely. But let's just be honest. We, we don't like being stuck. We don't like being stuck at all. And, and you know, I, I thought, be, you know, being stuck in quicksand was going to be a lot more prevalent of a problem when I was a kid uh, seeing cartoons and movies. And, uh, you know, we, but we just, we don't like being stuck. And let me explain here really quick what I mean by being stuck, because I, I think we just have, we, let me just give us a definition so we're all on the same page of what I'm talking about when I mean we are stuck. And what I mean by stuck is that we are out of options. We've tried everything that we can to try to get ourselves in any sort of forward or backward motion, have any sort of momentum, but nothing works. If you're stuck in the mud, you, you have tried forward, reverse, low gear, everything. You've tried pushing, pulling, lifting, everything. It doesn't work. And the only thing that can get you unstuck is an outside force other than yourself. So what I'm talking about here as, as, as being stuck is we have run out of options for ourselves. We are no longer of use. We cannot do anything greater than what we've already done to get ourselves unstuck. And, and it's this, this idea of not having any more control over your situation. And, and you know, while we can be stuck physically and, and all these things, I think the more prevalent of a problem is being stuck spiritually, being stuck emotionally, being stuck relationally. It's, it's painful sometimes when you're, when you're stuck and you, you cannot do anything else to get you out of this rut that you're in. I'm stuck in my career. I'm stuck in my debt. I know that's not necessarily a, uh, a, a spiritual or emotional thing, but it can cause a whole slew of problems. Debt can. I, I'm, I'm stuck with my friends. Some of you don't answer this out loud. I'm stuck in my marriage. We'll talk about marriage soon. I'm stuck in my sin. I'm stuck in my addiction. I'm stuck in my anxiety and my depression. And it feels like every day that you wake up is just like yesterday. You're stuck. You're not going anywhere. You're not making any forward momentum. Life is being sucked out of you. Hope is being sucked out of you. Faith is being sucked out of you. And no matter what you do, you cannot get yourself out. Talk about stuck. And being stuck, I, I don't want to say it, but I will. Being stuck sucks. It really does. There is nothing like being stuck. No matter how much you want to be free, you can't be free. No matter how much you want, you, you strive, and, and, and no matter how much effort you put in, you cannot move. You're stuck. Has anyone been there? Is anyone there right now? Maybe you're, you're, you're stuck, stuck in this spiritual and emotional prison where you're at the mercy of literally anybody but you to help you get out. It's, it's, it's one thing to be stuck in the mud. That's embarrassing, but it's, it's temporary. It's a whole other thing to be stuck in your spirit. And, and we have to ask, how, how, how do we even get stuck? How, how do we even get stuck? Well, I, I've, I've, I've done a bunch of research, and I found that you know, there's, there's only really two ways that we get stuck. Okay, so if you're taking notes, write these down. There's really only two ways to get, to get stuck. Number one is a, is a little discouraging. Uh, most of the times we get stuck has to do with the choices that you make. 
<laughs> it's your own fault. But I mean, but really, we're, you know, we're human beings. Sometimes we just, I mean, I know I make stupid decisions all the time, right? So, so a lot of the times we get stuck, it, it may be just because of the decisions you're making. And that's not me trying to shame you or anything. That's just the truth. I think if we ignore it, we'll never understand how to, how to fix it. So, you know, I, I, I knew this firsthand when I was a kid. I would get, I, when I would get stuck all the time, I was a compulsive liar. I don't know why. I just, I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I just liked to lie. It was, it was fun for me. And my mom finally found out that I was lying. And uh, she would... <laughs> I look back, and I actually texted her last night. I said, thank you for doing this. But she made me write out Bible verses, I mean, 100 times, 200 times, 250 times in a row. And she's like, you're stuck here. You can't watch TV. You can't go outside. You can't do this, blah, 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 until you write these Bible verses. And I'll never forget some of them. Ephesians 6, 1, follow, uh, honor your father and mother. Oh, my gosh. Maybe it's been too long. Honor your father and the mother. Honor your father and mother <laughs> in the Lord, for this is right. It's something like, anyways, I really did a whole lot of good. Um, anyways, so number one, we, we get stuck based on our own decisions, our own dumb mistakes sometimes. I know I make some, uh, and I'm standing right here with you. And, and so, so number two, the other way that we get stuck, and, and, and this is even more discouraging, uh, is sometimes we get stuck even when we're doing the right thing. <laughs> this is the response I expected, not, you know, any amens or anything like that. But, you know, we get stuck by following Jesus sometimes. We get stuck. Sometimes we'll get stuck for, you know, going to church. And, you know, I, I pray most days. I, I, I stopped cussing. I don't miss any days. I'm a version plan as often as I used to. I, I, I even gave my coworkers an invite card. How am I still stuck? Sometimes we get stuck by following Jesus and doing the right thing. We still get stuck. And, you know, all, all that stuff is great, but hard seasons still come and valleys of the shadow of death still come. And, and there are days or weeks or even years sometimes, even as a followers of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes we just get stuck. We'll just find ourselves stuck. You know, sometimes we'll get burnt out in the stuckness. Sometimes we'll just be like, man, I, I just can't feel God. It feels like I, I just, I can't even feel God anymore. Being stuck is part of the human condition. If you're here today and you're living and breathing, you're going to get stuck. <laughs> you're going to get stuck. And you're like, seriously, I brought a friend today. This is your gospel presentation? Like, well, thanks. Uh, no, but, but here's the good news. Even though we're going to get stuck and life's going to be full of obstacles that we cannot overcome alone, we have a God who doesn't want us to be alone. We have a God. We're going to go through so many things in our life that we cannot get over by ourselves. But we have a God who cares for us, who put on flesh and bone for us, who became sin, the Bible says, and was nailed to the cross for us to not only just cover our sins, but to completely remove it for us just so he can be with us, just so he can go through life with us because he loves you that much. That's the good news today. We, 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 we serve a God who, who cares to be with us. I don't know what your background is with church and with faith and, and with Jesus or anything, and, and, but I, I do know this, that a lot of the time we feel as if there's this big angry guy that is just so mad at everything that we do, and I just want to tell you that's not true. He loves you. If he didn't, he wouldn't give his life for you. He's not waiting for you to get your, get your stuff fixed. He's not waiting for you to get unstuck before you come to him. He's, he wants to go through it with you, and and just, just think for a moment, all the stuff you've done, all the crap you've been through, Jesus knew it, and he still died for you anyways. 
This, 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 uh, this gift of salvation is, is free, and we get to receive it no matter where we've been or no matter what we've done. So, so I, I don't want you to get confused. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you're not going to get stuck and how to not get stuck because it's just impossible. You're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck, and, 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 and you know, I'm, I feel like sometimes we're, we're probably all stuck in different areas of our life right now, and I, I think we can all relate in some way, shape, or form. We're all, all probably stuck, but being stuck is inevitable, but what you do and who you invite in your stuckness, it's a new word I made up, stuckness, it matters. It's, an, it's, it's important. We're going to be stuck but, but we're going to not have control sometimes. And you know, ultimately, you can't control everything that happens to you. But what you can control is you. There's going to be things, there's going to be times where the world is just beating you down. It feels like a sucker punch to the gut all the time. We can't control that, but we can, you can control you. You can control your reactions. You can control your response. You can, you can control you, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what stuckness you're in. Just, I mean, just take a look at Paul and Silas from in, in the text that we read. Take a, take a look at them. You know, they were in prison, prison, hello, prison, and wrongfully at, at that, you know, they, they were not doing anything wrong. The, the two accusations that were uh, placed against Paul and Silas were lies. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were following Jesus. They, they were trying to spread the gospel, spread the good news of his love for all people. And now they're all chained up. They're physically beaten and bruised. And they're slandered and called liars in front of the whole town. They, they, they brought them into the marketplace. Everyone goes to the marketplace. Can you imagine if, if, if you read the Winchester Star tomorrow and it says, local pastor teaches people how to smuggle drugs in Bibles. You know, and this is a picture of me and Stephanie. Can you imagine? <laughs> we would lose all credibility. <laughs> You, you would think we're nuts. You would think we're revolutionaries if we were in and out of prison all the time. You know, and just, just imagine, put, your, put yourself in, in, in these people's shoes for a moment. This guy who they know is a, is a convicted uh, felon that comes to them and is like, hey, I'm going to plant a church. Eh, are you, though? <laughs> I've heard all the things about you, Paul. And, and Paul will be the first to tell you, yeah, a lot of them are true, but a lot of them aren't either. But I, I'm just here because Jesus is good, and it doesn't matter what I did yesterday, but it just matters who I follow today. And, and so, you know, can, it, it, he lost all credibility, and, 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 and for what? For just, for just doing the work of Jesus, doing the work of Jesus. This isn't just a Bible story. We have to, to realize this actually happened. Paul is a real man. This, is, this really happened. The famous church planter is now stuck in prison. And sometimes and this wasn't the, this was the first time, but this wasn't the last time. They were stuck sometimes for days, for for weeks, sometimes for hours, sometimes for for months. Paul writes his last letter in prison before he was executed. This man gave his life for Jesus. So we find him in in, in prison. Him and him and Silas are in prison, right? And, 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 and they're chained up, and you know, what is, what is their response? Here, I'm just going to, oh, we're, we're chained up, we're in prison, right? I'm Paul. What is their response? Oh, God, why have you done this to me? I'm just, oh, I, I'm, just, I'm so mad right now because I've just tried to do your work. No, they didn't do that. They, they, Paul, Paul and Silas were in here. Da, 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 da. You turn graves into gardens. Da, da, da. You turn bone. Maybe, maybe they went a little bit more, a little bit more traditional. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Come on, and the rest of the prisoners get in. If you know it, sing it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. The high one, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is them in prison. This is their attitude. This is what the jail sounded like. And the Bible says that they, they, were, they, were, they were in the prisons. They were singing and praying and just praising God. For what? They're in prison. And the rest of the prisoners are hearing this and, and, and singing along. And, and, and this, this is their response. You know, I, I just, I, I, I can't imagine what it must have felt like to be in jail. And you know, why they don't have a control over, over, they don't have control over a lot, but they do take advantage of what they do have control over. And so while they're suppressed, they sing. While they're locked up, they look up. And while they are down and out for the count, they just find something to be thankful about. And that's what they do. They worship. They worship when they're stuck. They worship when they're stuck. And here's the problem. We don't do this. We don't do this. I'm not talking about singing, you know, when you, when you get a flat tire, like, oh, you're a good, good father. You know, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heart position of worship. We don't do that when we get stuck. Man, when we get stuck, we, we get so irritated you know, your boss, he makes you mad. You're just stuck at this job because you need the money. And you're like, oh, you don't worship. We, we turn to different things that we, we it's, it's funny because when we don't have control, a lot of the times we'll lose control of what we do have control over. We don't do what Paul and Silas did. They, 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 they worshiped. What's your response when you're stuck? What's your response when you're stuck? I mean, what do you do when things don't go your way? This is, I mean, this is a serious question. It's rhetorical, but, but think about it. What do you, honestly, what do you do when things don't go your way? What do you do when, when, when everything falls around you? Life is just, it just seems like it's not good. What, what, what do you do? What do you do? And, and what I've found is that we all have these different defaults in our lives. We, we all have default. Everybody has a default. Everybody has a default. And, 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 and default is something you fall back into when you're stuck. A default is the, the first thing you think of. It's the first place that you go. It's, it's the first thing you do when something bad happens to you. In, in high school, when I was stressed, I would spend hours and hours and hours playing video games. So, over hundreds of hours in RuneScape right now. And it's doing me no good. You would, I, I mean, just that, that's what I, that was my default. I, I just, I turned to video games, I just tune out the world, and I, 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 I played video games all the time. But what's, what's your default? Do you go shopping and spend an excessive amount? Do you, do you, do you cuss people out? Do you, do you honk your horn in traffic? Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that one, that one's me too. Do you, do you punch a hole in the wall? I mean, what's, what's your default? Do you binge drink? Do you binge Netflix? We laugh at that one. You know, it's funny because we'll, you know, we come to work and someone's like, hey, what'd you do all weekend? Like, oh yeah, I binged, you know, the office morning, noon, and night, all day long. And it's like, oh, nice, man. 
But if we were to come in and just change the substance, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I binged, you know, uh, whiskey uh, morning, noon, and night all weekend long. It's like, man, you need some help. It's no different. Same attitude, just different substance. We binge Netflix. Do you, do you binge TV? Do you, do you spend, when, when, when things aren't going your way, do you just go to work and just, and, and just focus on work and completely cut everything else out and you, you spend 70, 80 hours a week just grinding, grinding, grinding and not caring about anything else? Do you, do you, we, we have a default and maybe it's a little bit more subtle. Maybe it's, maybe it's do, do you, do you uh, complain? Do you just complain about everything? You can, oh, nothing is good. I can't find a good in anything it's all bad. It's ugh. Just complain about everything. Maybe you, maybe you compare. I mean, my, my, my life will never look like that. My kids will never look like that. My house will never look like Leslie's. Gosh, we all do that. You know, maybe it's finding the darkest corner that you can, just curling up at a ball and just staying in bed for hours. That one's mine. Just be real with you. Maybe it's just watching useless TikToks. I mean, we, we have a default. Everybody has a default. And, and I want you to recognize your default so you know what it is, so you know when you're turning to it. So, so recognize your default. And, and maybe then ask yourself, does, does, my default, um, does my default help me get unstuck? Or does it worsen my condition? And 99 times out of 100, it worsens your condition. When we default... It's like our spiritual quicksand, if, if, if you will. And, and the more we try to get out of it, the more we get more stuck. And, and, and the more I try to cope with things myself, the deeper it seems to get. And scripture tells us that Jesus is the only one powerful enough to get you out of the mess that you're in. It says this in Hebrews, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 from the Passion Translation. It'll be up here. It says, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. This is the, a, a biblical truth here. I'm going to read it again. He suffered and endured. Jesus, Jesus suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he could help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. And Jesus is the only one who can get us unstuck from where we are. And yet our default is to nine times out of 10 turn from him when we're stuck. I'm not saying don't find ways to cope with stress. I mean, you know, go for a drive, go out to eat, you know, watch a movie, just, just go to bed early. I mean, yeah, those are important things and there's a time and place for all of that. But what I'm talking about here is, is a heart of authentic worship. When we're stuck, the, the, it seems like the last thing we want to do is worship. Again, I'm not talking about the, the half hour we spend at the, at the beginning of, 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 of Sunday mornings here is worship. It is, but, but this is worship, and, and reading scripture is worship, and, 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 and praying for people is any, any Worship is a heart position. It's not, a, it's not an action. It's a heart position. Where is your heart when you do something? And that, that means, too, and I, I'm not talking about this today, and I shouldn't, but that means that you can sing these songs with a hard heart and it looks like worship, but man, it's not. That hurts. We can do all of the things that, it, that a good Christian should do and have the wrong heart posture and none of it's worship. In fact, let me rephrase. It is worship. It's worshiping yourself because you're doing it for the image. We, let's get back here. Yeah, I, okay, I would argue if, if you can't bring yourself to worship in the bad times, 
that then I would question your authenticity of worship in the good times. Because if you only believe God is good when things are good, then your theology is really messed up. God is good no matter what our circumstances look like. God is good no matter what, how stuck you are. Your situation doesn't determine God's goodness. Therefore, it shouldn't determine your worship. God is good regardless of the, the circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change even though everything in our lives change. So if you're, if you're looking for a reason to worship, God is good. Regardless, he's still on his throne. He still conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's still making a way for us each and every single day to relate with him and given us this gift of worship. We, we all have defaults. And some of us have really, really dark ones. But know, that, know this, worship is not a default. It's never a default. It's always intentional. And that may sound a little, it's like, well, I've been in church for a long time. I know. Worship is never a default. It's always intentional. You always have to do it intentionally to worship. But worship is an invitation. And I'm, I'm coming to a close with this. Uh, not yet, but I am. <laughs> Worship is an invitation. Worship is an invitation for, for God to come into our stuckness. Worship says we welcome you, we invite you, we want you here. And you'll never regret inviting God into your stuckness. But, but, but Jesus wants to be with you in your stuckness. Jesus wants to be with you in your stuckness. He's not asking for you to have read the entire Bible before you come to him. He's not asking for you to have memorized a certain amount of Bible scriptures for you to come to him. He's not asking for you to serve on a team at a fresh before you come to him. He's not, asking, he's not asking you to do anything but accept this free gift of forgiveness. There's no waiting. We can accept it right now. And, 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 and the, the glorious thing is that we can re-re-accept it right now too. He's not waiting on us to stop doing what we're doing. He's not waiting on you to stop being an addict before he wants you to come to him. He just wants to be with you. He wants to be with you even in your brokenness, even in your stuckness. He wants to be with you. Remember when you were a kid, and, and I, I'm going to try to be sensitive here. Remember when you were a kid and, and you, know, you, you, you skinned your elbow or, or someone was mean to you at school? And, and what, what's, what's something, I mean, like a little kid, what, what did you do? You went and told your dad. Dad, someone's, someone's, and I know not everybody grew up in a, in a home with a, with a positive father figure, but you know the picture I'm trying to paint here. Dad, I'm, I'm hurt. Dad, I'm broken. Dad, I just need a hug. Our son, uh, Judah, he's, he's starting to roll now, which is glorious. And it's funny, we'll set him down in the, we don't put him on any surface anymore because he'll just roll right off. So we'll put him down on the, in the middle of the floor, on a carpet, of course. And, uh, and he'll just roll. He'll just roll. But he, <laughs> it's so funny. He can only roll one way. He, can, he doesn't, hasn't learned the other way yet. And so it's, it's funny. We'll just hear like, ah, ah. And we're like, what? What's going on? And he's just like in the couch, against the couch, like, ah, because <laughs> he can't roll the other way. And, and it's just so funny because every single time he cries out when, he, when he's stuck, he just wants his dad And there's not a moment that will go by where my son is not crying out to me. I'm not going to pick him up and take him to a safer place. That's what good dads do. 
And we have our, our heavenly father who just wants us to call out to him, to cry out to him when we're stuck. And he'll come right into where we are because he's a good dad and he, he loves his kids. Babies get it. <laughs> I think we got something to learn from them. But there's an incredible thing that happens when we worship in our stuckness. Leslie, you can come on up. I'm closing now, I promise. There's an incredible moment that happens when we, when we have a reason to praise. We find a reason to praise. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's this. God shakes foundations. You're taking notes or you have something to write on. Write that down. God shakes foundations. Write that on your mirror. Remember this, this phrase. God shakes foundations. Not always physically. If you, <laughs> I'm not saying if you find yourself in jail, just, you know, sing a hymn and you'll get out. It's not, no, no, that's... I'm not trying to put God in a box. I'm just speculating here, okay? <laughs> that's how I'm saying. But more importantly, he shakes the spiritual foundations of our heart. And that's what he's all, that's what he's after all along. And I love in our text that, that, we, that, that, that when God shook the foundations of the, the prison that Paul and Silas were in, that all the doors flew open and all the chains fell off of all the prisoners, right? And, and there, was, there was holes in the wall and everything was shaken that could be shaken. And do you remember this, this guard, this jailer who was responsible for these prisoners? And, and he wakes up, because I mean, it's an earthquake. Like, my gosh, you would, I would hope you'd wake up. And he sees all the doors open, all the chains off, and he's like, oh no. Everyone escaped. Everyone's out of here. And he was getting ready to kill himself. Remember this? And thank God for Paul. He's like, wait, bro, stop. Don't do that. We're all here. <laughs> We're all here, not just Paul and Silas. All of the prisoners are here. And I just, I, I, I just can't wrap my head around this. I'm trying to put myself in perspectives all the time, but just imagine that maybe you're in there for life or, or maybe you're in there and you know you're about to be executed. It's coming up soon. And the prison shakes and the doors open and the chains fall off and you don't run out of there? Don't they want freedom? And I, I, I've, I, this, this wrecked me when I read it, is that I, 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 I realized that these prisoners that were with Paul and Silas had experienced a certain freedom that they would never experience outside of a prison cell. It was freedom of their stuck spirit. And Paul had a message for them. He says, hey, I got a way you can get out of this. And so they didn't leave. And, 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 and 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. I love this. For the, for the Lord is spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we invite the presence of God to come in and break down the barriers and break the foundations of our, of our lives, of our heart. There is freedom. There, there, is, there is freedom when only he remains. And, and you know, we, we may be stuck when we allow the presence of God to permeate our lives when we're stuck, the Bible promises that wherever his spirit is, there is freedom. And so, so, so you being stuck might be this, this pruning process of the Lord. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. My father likes to prune things. Um, that was just an abbreviation. Um, 
It doesn't actually say that. It's context. But anyways, it's, it says, you know, that, 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 that there, there might be this, this pruning process that, that the Lord is doing on your life to remind you that even if you have nothing else, Jesus is enough. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a counselor, a comforter, and an advocate. And when we place our trust in Jesus, when we have a relationship with Jesus, when we worship Jesus, it's not this dormant faith that sits on a shelf like a trophy. No, it's this faith that is real and active and and moving. And God places his spirit not beside you, not above you, not in your head, not in a book, but in you. God places his spirit in you and so he does something wild in you. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, even in the midst of your stuckness, even in the midst of Paul and Silas's stuckness, they, they realized their physical stuckness was just an avenue God was using to release everybody else of their spiritual stuckness. So maybe, just maybe, just maybe, the reason you feel stuck today, and there are certain, you know, parameters for this, I don't think God, you know, wants you to be stuck in your sin, just me. But if you feel stuck in something and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus, I'm, I'm doing all these things and, and I'm, I'm trying to draw closer to you and I just, I feel like I'm just stuck. Maybe God is using your stuckness to impact everybody else around you. Maybe the spirit in you needs to be going somewhere where everybody else is stuck or he can use you to reach them. If you want to be spiritually unstuck, just be a worshiper of Jesus. Choose to worship instead of worry, instead of being prideful, instead of being arrogant, instead of, in, instead of freaking out. Just be a worshiper of Jesus. That's what we got to do. Now, don't worship just to get out of stuckness. You're not worshiping God at that point. You're worshiping for the result. But seriously, worship Jesus. Be a, a, a devoted follower. Of Jesus. Sing songs. Grow closer in relationship with him. In this spiritual stuckness that we're in, you'll start to see with a true and genuine heart, a true and genuine heart for worship and a heart for the Lord, you'll start to see yourself become more unstuck in certain ways. But I can promise you, and, 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 and Jesus promises this, the, the, the scriptures promises that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So whenever we invite the presence of God to come into our lives, and I mean, not just a one-time event. I'm talking about consistently reacting to the Holy Spirit, seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You're going to start to be unstuck. So there is hope for you today. There is. His name is Jesus. If you are stuck, he's a great tow truck. I don't know. It's stupid. He's a good God and he loves his kids. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you deal with. He knows the amount of hairs you have on your head. 
He knows you very, very well. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what you like and don't like. He knows you. And he said, you're worth giving up my life for you so that we can have a life together. God wants to be with you even in your stuckness. He wants to care for you. And he wants you to know that he loves you so, so much. So in order for us to break free today, and we're going to break free from a lot of stuff, what would it look like if we spent more than just half an hour on Sundays worshiping Jesus? I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but again, my job is to challenge you, to push you, to encourage you. What would it look like? Seriously, what, if, what would it look like if you woke up a little bit early in the mornings or stayed up just a little bit later or maybe worked out around your time enough to where you just gave up something? You didn't have to wake up and go to bed any differently. But what would it look like if we opened the Word of God more than just it being on the screen on Sunday mornings? What might your life look like? What might your life look like if you prayed on the way to work? Or if you prayed intentionally when you're not doing something else. In order for us to break free and have the power over this world through the Spirit of God, we have to be one with Him. And, and, and Revelation, in, in Revelation, Jesus says He, he just... He, does not like lukewarm Christians. Either you're in or you're out. <laughs> you're all in or you're all out. Enough with this shaky halfway stuff. He wants devoted followers, not halfway followers. And I think that's on our part to do for him and to do with him. But in order to break free, I'm serious, we have to be genuine devoted followers and worshipers of Jesus. And that's not supposed to sound easy. It's going to take time. It's not always going to be convenient. But man, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. That's our challenge today is know what your default is. Know what you fall into. And next time you feel yourself falling into that, choose to worship Jesus instead. Find something to be thankful for. Find something to be grateful for. And if you can't find anything, just be grateful of that. You have a relationship with him. He died for your sins 2,000 years ago. Then the blessings will flow and it'll be wonderful. But that's our challenge today is to be devoted followers of Jesus. From my lips to your ears, this is what we, this is what's going to shift our lives, truly walking with Jesus. All right, let me, let me pray over you guys and, and bless us and we'll get out of here. And go into this world and just be, just spread the love of God. Can we do that? 
do, do, can we still do that today? It doesn't take much, but let's just go and be the hands and feet in Jesus, of Jesus out in the world that so desperately needs it. So many people that are stuck out there and, and we've got the answer, but we've got to find and, 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 and put ourselves in this. I'll, anyways, I'll pray. Let me, we'll go. Jesus, thank you so much for your, your grace and your mercy and your spirit and your power. God, I pray we never take this for granted. We never take relationship with you for granted. God, I, I, I just, I, I see us as a, as a church of just genuinely, of people that genuinely follow and praise you and worship you, even when life just sucks sometimes. But we know we can hang on to this truth that no matter what I'm going through, it doesn't determine your goodness. But your goodness can determine what I'm going through. And we don't worship you for the result, but we worship you because we want to be with you. So thank you for this gift of worship that's more than just songs, more than just the radio, more than just the band. It's this, this, this gift that we get to exercise and the, this position of our heart that we, get to, that we get to pour out for you in adoration and devotion and love. So God, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for this gift of your presence. We thank you for this gift of salvation. This, this gift that, that takes our brokenness and our sin and our shame. And you said you separate it as far as the east is from the west. And no, we don't deserve it. There's not a single person in here that deserves it. There's not a single person in here who can't receive it either because you're just that good. Thank you so much. If you're in the room today and, I, and, and, and you, you have heard of Jesus and maybe you haven't and maybe it's your first time and maybe it's, you've already made up your mind, it's your last time. And I just want to encourage you today, do not leave this place without choosing Jesus. It's, it's, it's not a, a super complicated, uh, it's not a super complicated decision per se. It's not a weird ritual or prayer that you have to pray. It's just making the decision in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. Say, you know what, Jesus, I, I choose to trust you with my life. I choose to trust you with my spirit. That's all it is today. And take that step towards him. Turn from where you are and just turn towards Jesus. That's, that's as simple as it gets. And this free gift of forgiveness is, is open for every person in this room. So if you're here today and, and you, you, you're, you're on the fence or you don't know about Jesus, let me encourage you that he has set everything up for you to be here, to hear this message, to, to be here and hear the, the, the words from my mouth that he loves you so much and that he wants to be with you. And be encouraged to take that next step towards him whatever that looks like in your life. And don't leave here without choosing 
Jesus. And that goes for everybody in the room, whether you've been following Jesus for one minute or, or one hundred years, I don't know. This, this gift of forgiveness is open for all of us, no matter where we've been and what we've done and who we are. God, we're so grateful for this gift, and I just pray that we would steward it well and that you would place us in positions in awkward places and opportunities for your spirit to, uh, to, to get the glory, to get the honor, to get the praise. Places and situations around people that, that maybe we just don't really get along with, but you have a plan for their life and you're going to use us to do it. God, we choose to trust you. We choose to follow you, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't want to, even when we're stuck. So God, our lives are yours as a sacrifice today. We lay them down at your feet and just pray you would use us however you want to. God, thank you for being with us in this place today. Keep us safe as we get out of here. We go into our families, into our own little separate towns and cities and homes, neighborhoods and just pray that you would um, just make such an impact with us. And we thank you that you're with us and that you're protecting us. We love you. We give you all of who we are today. In Jesus' mighty name, all the church said, amen and amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Jesus.